listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. On the way, I'm Beth White, your host for On the Way. Uh, I have we just finished talking with Father Gerard, and now we're going to shift gears on this Ash Wednesday and talk to Father James Martin. Good morning, Father Jim. Good morning. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. So, as we begin Lent, I wanted to interview Father Jim because he has this awesome new book out called Learning to Pray, and it is a guide for everyone. And as the director for evangelization, we are constantly talking about the Holy Spirit and the need to pray and how to connect. It's relational. It's about community and the church, but it's also about your personal relationship with Jesus and with God and the Holy Spirit. So um, I was very excited when this book came out because we do presentations around the diocese. And one of the things that we learn about is how people don't know to pray, how to mm -hmm. pray. Or they never learned. So tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write this book. Well, you know, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, just that, that most Catholics uh, were never taught. And, uh, you know, I include myself in that category. And Yeah, you were saying that in the book. Right? Yeah, and I also, you know, I really do think that the, the main problem is this. Not that they don't want to or they're not, um, you know, equipped to. I mean, we all say Hail Marys and Our Fathers and Rosaries, which is great. And we all go to Mass, which is great. But I think when you talk to people about their private prayer, most of the time they don't know what to expect when they close their eyes, like they have no clue. And so when, you know, you say, how's your prayer? They say, oh, you know, I sit down and nothing happens, which is very common. So in the book, I try to explain really clearly, one of the main points of the book is to say, what actually happens? Like, what actually can you expect when you close your eyes and you pray about a scripture passage or imagine yourself with Jesus or you talk to God? Because otherwise, I think people feel it's just a one-way street. And so I talk about, you know, emotions, desires, memories, insights, especially feelings, uh, words and phrases sometimes that come up, and how to discern if this is coming from God. Because otherwise, it's this big mystery. I mean, a, right. and, and, a, and a bad kind of a mystery. There's good mysteries in the church, but there's the bad ones. And I'm sure you have the same experience with people that you talk to. They just have no, you know, Catholics just, you know, they, they don't have a whole lot of, um, I would say, instruction on that. One of the beautiful things I think you talk about, and I have this in my own experience, is people say, well, I don't really pray. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, when you start prodding, <laughs> they do pray. Yeah. They may not sit down for an hour with their eyes closed and formally sit, but they chat with God or they, so the goal is to sort of get them to understand that and then go maybe a little deeper, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, to, to see what they're already doing. Um, right. But I also think um, one of the key insights for me has always been that, you know, most Catholics will say that they really do want a relationship with God. They, they really do want to experience prayer. They hear about retreats or, or praying or whatever kind of um, thing they're, they're hearing about, and they want it. And I always say to them, uh, see in that desire, God's desire for you. 
because how else, this is such an important insight in the spiritual life. How else would God call us into relationship other than by awakening that desire in us? And so, you know, when people realize that, that it's not just them being curious, it's God calling them, it makes them feel less alone. And it also says, well, okay, I guess with God's help, I can do this. And it's a response to a call, you know? So I think that's important too, to, to really, to help people see that, um, that it's God calling you in this way. So in the joy of the gospel, which we um, talk a lot about in the evangelization office, right? Um, I think it's paragraph three. Uh, Pope Francis oh, very good. Talks, I'm already impressed. <laughs> I know, right? Pope Francis talks about that Jesus is there waiting for the encounter. And mm-hmm. whether you've encountered him or not, he's there waiting for you, mm-hmm. inviting you, reaching for you. And it just really struck me that when you were talking about that in your book, mm-hmm. That is exactly it, is that God is there, whether we recognize it or not, and but always reaching for us. Exactly. That's such a good point, because, you know, in the call of the first disciples, I mean, Jesus goes to them um, in in uh, first century Judea and, and uh, Galilee, actually. Usually the um, the student would go to the, the follower, would go to the teacher, but Jesus comes to us, right? Just like Jesus comes to the, the first disciples. But I think, you know, uh, to take that really good point, I think a lot of Catholics say, well, okay, I understand Jesus um, trying to encounter me, say, through the sacraments or through church or through relationships or through, but I think when you when you say to them, Jesus wants to encounter you in prayer, they say, well, what is that, like, what is supposed to happen? Yeah. You know, and so I always thought, and I say this in the book, as a Jesuit novice, um, you know, people would say, oh, you know, my prayer is so rich and I felt God inviting me to do this, or God wants me to look at this. And I used to think, what are you talking about? Like, what does that mean? Does that mean, do I hear, I mean, really, do I hear voice, right? Do I hear voices or visions or, cause when I would close my eyes, it didn't seem like much was happening. So, so I think when we talk to Catholics about Christ wanting to encounter us, we have to be like clear and specific about what that can mean in your personal prayer, because I'm you're smiling, and I, I don't know if, if everyone can see you smiling, but clearly you know that response, you know, from people like, what what does that mean? What does that encounter? We have to define the word encounter. Yeah, yeah, and and even in our so much. Yeah, because I think yeah. people can understand it. Let's say in terms of their parish life, right, which is mm-hmm. maybe the primary way, or the sacraments. Like, yes, I encounter Christ through the Eucharist, absolutely. But when you say I encounter Christ in my private prayer, what does that mean? So I, I try to be clear about it in the book. So you obviously, you've been a spiritual director for years and you talked about how you've led retreats. So this is, and I, I love the fact that everything you do in this book is, I have not read the whole book. I mean, to be honest. Oh, that's I okay. It's a, it's a long book. My goals is to read it. <laughs> I do have a friend who's read it all though. She got it okay. the day that it was released <laughs> and like emailed me and was like, um, I have all these questions. Um, but the, I thought what was beautiful is your sense of, I'm going to explain things as if you've never heard this before. And there's such a beauty in that because I have found in my work is that you may have gone all the way K through high school, maybe even college Mm -hmm. and some things you never learned Yeah, because everyone assumed you knew. Exactly. And so there's, we've become very, we've had to get become, we call it being explicit instead Mm. of implicit because we think that Catholics know these things Mm. even. And so what, what drove you to this? Is that, was that your experience? Well, just that. And, you know, I, I sometimes say I'm writing it for me when I was 25 years old, which was someone who, yeah, which was someone who I didn't go to even, I didn't go to 
K through anything. Okay. For, I, mean, I, right. I went through, I know we, we can't use these terms and I know you'll correct me. I know we can't say CCD. We have to say religious ed, okay. but I went, I went through CCD. went CCD. I did. <laughs> right. But I didn't, um, you know, we didn't pray when I was growing up much in my house. And uh, when I entered the the Jesuits, I didn't really, uh, you know, I had the kind of prayer that most of us have as Catholics. And there's nothing wrong with this. I always I say in the book, this is not to denigrate it, which is basically asking for things like help me. I would I say in the book, I would sort of use the Hail Mary as a kind of payment. And if I want something really bad, I use 10 Hail Marys, maybe even a rosary if I super want something bad. Um, and of course, going to mass and saying grace. But it was a kind of one way, like I'm asking God for things, I'm praising God, which is fine. I mean, that's an important part of uh, the spiritual life. But I never imagined God would sort of, in a sense, answer me what it would mean, you know, as we were talking earlier, to listen. Um, and the whole idea, if someone had said to me, a personal relationship with Jesus, I would say, I don't know what you're talking about. And I, I, I want to suggest um, one of my favorite articles um, in America Magazine in the last 20 years, you'll love this title, it was called um, Churchianity versus Christianity. Ooh, okay, isn't that great? And the idea yeah. is that Catholics are Catholics can talk till they're blue in the face about the Pope and the bishop and this mm -hmm. and the church and the parish. If you say to them, "What's your personal relationship with Christ?" like they kind of clam up, not because they don't have one, but because also they're not encouraged to talk about it that way. The language. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I wrote it for for all those reasons. Right. And that is our experience in evangelization here. I've been um, in my role for about five years, and we really have focused on that and using the name of Jesus, mm. because that has seemed to be sort of a, a name that isn't used very frequently, especially um, among older generations. And yes. so um, it's how do you build a relationship with someone you don't kind of know? Yeah. Um, right. and or, so, or see physically. Or, Exactly. Right. So it's uh, that's been a big part of our focus. And a personal relationship does sort of sound very Protestant. But yeah. I worked at um, Christo Way Jesu Jesuit High School. Oh, great. And I worked with Father Jim there. Mm -hmm. And he would talk about getting he would preach to the kids about getting up every morning and he would have a chair right there and his chair and he'd have a cup of coffee and he would chat with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I know in the Jesuit tradition, that's a very a very common way to talk about prayer. Absolutely. And thanks for bringing that up. Uh, yeah, St. Ignatius Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits, would say, which kind of shocks people, um, that you would speak to God as one friend to another, which is really, you know, I think for some Catholics can be sort of daunting or they think it's disrespectful, but it's, you know, it's God wants your friendship. God desires your friendship. And uh, as much as you desire, God's kind of desiring you. But no, I love that image. And, you know, that's a great, for kids, I think that's a great invitation of prayer. Just imagine being in it next to Jesus, you know, in a chair or walking down the street. And I think kids are a lot less um, uh, self-conscious about it, too. Exactly. Exactly. Do you think that, um, and again, maybe you've covered this in the book, but um, I have come to understand that based on where we're at in our life, we need different kinds of prayer. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe earlier in your life, you had a great relationship with your father. So it's God, the father that you're really, or you didn't. And so you can't engage with God, the father, but you can engage with Mary or, you know, whomever. But it, it, do you recognize that the different titles and as you grow, so someone who's perhaps more full, has a, um, a deeper relationship with Jesus can more easily enter into the friendship mode. 
Absolutely. And that's a great insight. We pray, we have, we, well, I would say two things. We pray in different ways, depending on where we are. And even like, even at a certain age from time to time, like, I mean, I think a lot of us are praying differently in the pandemic, right? That, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but also we have different images of God and that's such Mm -hmm. a rich question. Um, I think uh, frequently people's images of God are kind of stuck with an image of God that is reflective of say their parents. Like if their parents were super judgmental or if you felt that, not even if they were, if you felt that their love was conditional, um, then you have that image of God. But you know, I say this in the book a couple of different ways that, you know, God is not our parent, right? Mm-hmm. God is, I mean, you know, we can imagine as God the Father, but, you know, God's bigger than those categories. And also our images of God change, you know, as we grow older. One of my favorite spiritual writers is uh, Father Bill Barry. And um, he was—he was a Jesuit. He just died a few months ago. He said that the our relationship with God sometimes moves from being uh, children. I really like this to adult children, right? So it's like your like your relationship with even the best parent. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's different when you're four, right? Yeah. And I think I think that's an invitation to to look at prayer in a different way when you grow older, because there's nothing wrong with what you're doing when you're four, or even saying the same. I look. I must have said I was saying the other day to someone probably a billion Hail Marys in my life, right? And I, I learned that when I was whatever, two years old, I'm probably never gonna stop saying it. But, you know, if that's the only way, then maybe there's other ways that God has of inviting you to pray that's just different as you as you grow older. So, so to, you know, keep those, but also move into new ways. Well, I remember someone um, told me one time that they had memorized the act of contrition and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, some of the memorized prayers. And that when they were in a plane and the plane was about ready to go down, they thought those are the things that popped into their head. Mm -hmm. And they were so grateful that they had those prayers because there were no other words for them. Um, And thank thank God that they were fine. But so that really struck me that we those kinds of prayers are really or when you're really ill um, and your mind is cloudy and you can't come up with a conversation for anyone. Having those kinds of prayers are a rich connection. I totally agree. And I think that um, I say in the book, two things get denigrated in the spiritual life. One is petitionary prayer that we were talking about. Some people say, oh, you shouldn't ask for things because it's selfish. Uh, look, I mean, ask. if what's that? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, who doesn't want sort of, you know, the vaccine to be available to everybody? That's asking for something that's good. I mean, Jesus in the Our Father, it's give us this day our daily bread. It's a petitionary prayer. But the second thing is what you talked about, which is um, rote prayers or standard prayers. And they are part of the treasury of our lives. And don't laugh, but I, if, if we're in turbulence, I say the act of contrition too. <laughs> and you're right. I, I mean, you know, when you're sick, um, and I often think about um, Cardinal Bernadine's book, um, The Gift of Peace. I remember he said somewhere that he could barely pray when he was sick. And he said somewhere, something like your whole body is praying, you know, it's just sort of reaching out to God. But yeah, I mean, if all you can remember is the Our Father and the Hail Mary, that's, I think that's beautiful. But, and you know, the other thing is this, I say in the book, sometimes the prayers that are written, they're much better than we could ever come up with. I, I find one of the things, one of the prayers I like to pray is the Memorare. And, um, you know, I just, it's just, it's just more beautiful than a prayer that I could come up with. Right. So why would I like reconstruct the memorare, you know, now for some people, it doesn't work. Like they don't, they're not into it. Uh, Fine. Then, then speak to God in your own words. So it's whatever works for you. And that's the beauty I think about, um, that there isn't like, I, um, 
the um, the rosary is not my go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, it just isn't. And mm-hmm. but I love the rosary, but it mm-hmm. isn't my go-to. Now yeah, for other people, fine. it could be their go-to, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I. I, I think that that's the gift is recognizing all the different kinds of prayer that you yeah. offer in here. And that, and so like, I know someone, um, a few people who have been very terminally ill, I've given them palm crosses. Mm. So that they just have a right. palm cross to hold mm. like a physical connection. Right. Mm-hmm. And you rub them and you, you know, and that's a way to pray as well. So it isn't, you know, it's funny. I wish I'd put that in the book. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I wish actually that's a great, I don't have that in the book, you know, the physical stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in the maybe in the next edition, I will I will quote you. Um, yeah, because it's it's something that we can do that's very simple, and it's a connection. And you're exactly right. Who's to say that that's a quote better or worse prayer? You know, right. it's it's not. And I think one it's of the difficulties it is, and one of the difficulties with Catholics, unfortunately, is that we tend to say like, oh, you're 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 not a good Catholic if you don't pray fill in the blank. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. So why um, you've written so many books. So why I, and I understand why you wrote this for yourself, but why do you think this is such an important thing to be talking about right now? Well, you know, it's funny. I didn't plan for it to come out in the middle of a pandemic or a division. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've been working on it for about 10 years, but I think it's really providential. Uh, And, you know, funny enough at this time, I shouldn't say funny enough at this time, so many of us are um, involuntary monks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just, we're, look, I mean, I'm, I'm in my room. I haven't left New York for months and months and months. Yeah. I saw my mother once in Philadelphia. That's the only time I've left. Um, it's, I see the same four walls like everybody does. We're very monastic and that, you know, kind of can push you in on yourself. But by the same token, it's an opportunity to, to pray more and to really get in touch with who God is. I'll tell you a funny story quickly. Uh, in my Jesuit community, at the first week of the pandemic, when everything was closed down and we really didn't know what was going to happen, one of the priests who was saying mass in our community said, well, you know, brothers, we're always saying we don't have time to, we wish we had more time to pray. Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's, I think it's kind of an invitation to prayer, right? This, this sort of involuntary monasticism that we're all you know, facing right now. And this book is a great way for someone um, during Lent to just mm-hmm. explore prayer. Yeah, right? yeah I yeah, and I, exactly. And I think you know, for so many of us at Lent, I mean, the three pillars of Lent, you know, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And uh, again, many Catholics, I think, um, would would be happy to see the the, the treasury of different kinds of prayers. Because as you were saying earlier. Not everybody likes, for example, the rosary. Well, that's okay. There's this kind of prayer and this kind of prayer and this kind of prayer and just try it and, you know, and maybe come back to the rosary later on. I'll have to tell you, you're in good company. Uh, People are always surprised when I quote this. St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower said, the saying of the rosary for me is as difficult as an instrument of penance. (laughs) So look, if Therese could say that then well okay. i wouldn't go that far but <laughs> but that's pretty mind, it, it's a meditative prayer and yeah. i find that i do better with um praying with scripture because yeah. it activates my mind in a different way but sometimes that isn't good for me too yeah I, you know so, i find with the rosary sometimes which i like if i'm if i'm sort of walking or doing something else but i also yeah. find one of the temptations and i say this with road prayer is that i almost forget that I'm saying the rosary and it becomes, um, I, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm addressing Mary. You know, I need to be more attentive. 
And so it depends on where I am. And, and again, it depends on different people, right? right? You're not, you know, you're not a bad, Therese of Lisieux was not a bad Catholic <laughs> <laughs> for not, you know, liking the rosary. And she obviously prayed in other ways. Yeah. So we're going to take a break and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation on prayer with Father James Martin from New York, right? Exactly. On this beautiful Ash Wednesday. The word made clear is exactly what its name implies. It's an easy-to-understand explanation of the Word of God, the Gospel. Hello, I'm Father James McElhone, Director of Biblical Formation for the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'd like to invite you to take our free online Bible study program by going to thewordmadeclear.org. Our website offers an audio-based guide to the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. Listen to my lectures and follow along with the handouts provided. There are even discussion guides. You can also explore the biblical roots of the Mass. And there are links to a wide variety of biblical sources that will benefit both teachers and students of the sacred scriptures. Just go to wordmadeclear.org to experience our free online Bible study program. Again, it's free at wordmadeclear.org. It's the Word of God. Enjoy. There's so much waiting for you at Catholic Charities Senior Services. We offer programs and services to help make the most of every day. Friendships and fun are guaranteed at our drop-in senior centers. Our adult daycare centers offer enjoyment and greater supervision to seniors who need it while their caregivers get a break. Holy Family Villa provides a beautiful, safe environment for seniors looking for short or long-term residential facility. And we offer assistance with senior benefits, care coordination, congregate and home-delivered meals, hospital transition, and much more. For more than 100 years, we have accompanied seniors through every transition in their lives, and we are here for you now. Catholic Charities is a name and an agency you can trust. Call Senior Services today at 312-655-7700. That's 312-655-7700. Speaking with Father James Martin, Father Jim, out there in New York in his four walls uh, as we continue our conversation on prayer. So, Father Jim, in your introduction, I think it's the chapter one, you talk about sometimes I think God gives newbies intense experiences at the beginning of their spiritual lives to grab their attention and hook them. And so uh, we often talk in evangelization about um, people think you're supposed to have that Pauline moment, right? The of course, as Father James McElhone, which we just saw, tells us there's no horse uh, in the <laughs> yeah, scripture, right. but we all think we're supposed to fall down, go blind, and have this yeah. incredible experience. Um, can you talk about the people that have been Catholic their whole lives and how it may not be that kind of experience for them? 
That's a very good point. Uh, and I guess what I meant in the book was oftentimes when people are starting to get more serious about their spiritual life, everything seems exciting, you know, yes. like, oh, I just found this new parish or, you know, I went on a retreat for the first time. A lot of people do like Kairos retreats or Emmaus retreats. And there is that kind of honeymoon period. Um, but you're right. You know, many people, you know, have not had this kind of great, you know, magical, mystical experience. And that's okay. It can, it can be kind of low key. And I think you're right. For people who have been Catholic their whole lives or may have had these, you know, sort of a firm faith foundation, it might have been, you know, just something that's been part of their life the whole, their whole time, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be this, you know, as you say, the sort of falling from the horse moment. But I do think that there are cases where people who might be, um, you know, like agnostic or atheist or even like seekers or maybe like lukewarm Catholics, there are cases where suddenly they're they're just like overwhelmed by the sense of kind of curiosity and attraction and everything seems great. I think one of my points in the book is to that can't last, right? That's right. like it's like a honeymoon period. Right. I mean, like let's say something simple. Let's say, and I know Chicago pretty well. Let's say someone uh, moves into Chicago and they find I'm I'm not going to pick on a parish, but I know a lot of good parishes in Chicago. I have one in mind. Let's say they they find they're in this neighborhood. Just call it St. Mary's. Everything. Uh, is called St. Okay, St. Mary's. St. Mary's, right? <laughs> or they're Our, in lady, Our Lady, right? They're in Chicago and they're in this neighborhood and they've been kind of, you know, like on the fringes. And someone says, "Hey, I have this amazing parish. It has this great young adult group." And they go, and it's like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" And they go on a retreat, and they're just see. That's what I'm talking about. And then everything seems yeah. exciting and new. And I do think that's God kind of grabbing them a little bit. But one of the one of the sort of caveats is that cannot last because, you know, it does have to settle down a little bit. And, you know, to use the Pauline image, you know, I mean, St. Paul, he could have been having those images and, and experiences of Jesus all the time. It was just too much, you know? So, yeah. So it's, 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 I think usually more of a slow burn for most people. Well, and I, we, we talk about people and have them give witness talks on video for us. And one of the um, women that we um, is, it works here in the diocese. She said she went all the way through when she was in her forties and she actually worked for the church, went all through Catholic school, but faith was this knowledge thing. Yeah. And she was struggling in her marriage and she had flown to, I think she said Colorado or somewhere. And she was sitting on a park bench mm. and all of a sudden out of nowhere, she felt this overwhelming. She just kept praying, God, if you're real, let me know. If you're real, let me know. And all of a sudden she had this overwhelming feeling that God is real. And That's she great. said it changed everything for her because it had to, she had to like redo everything she said. Yeah. And we hear that story over and over again about folks. That's the encounter when you mm. come to realize that you are unconditionally loved in a way that you never knew before. Like mm. it's powerful. And it does. And then it becomes less, a mind and more heart, right? It's and and, I, and yeah, all both, the stuff you've learned makes sense, right? Yeah, and it's and I always say to people, they're they're both important, right? Yeah. And even if you know, and a lot of Catholics, even some people who are listening, will probably say, I I can imagine them saying, oh my gosh, I've never had anything like that. I wish yeah. that's okay. They don't have to have something like that, and and their encounter with God can be a lot more calm, right? Let's just say it's something like I'm realizing that. I'm just still so in love with my wife or my husband, or I'm so grateful for my grandchildren. You know, I'm just grateful. And then that's their encounter, right? And it doesn't have to be kind of overwhelming. 
because one of the things I talk about in the book is that the, 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 the temptation is to always compare ourselves exactly and say, Oh, I guess I'm not holy enough. Even someone who's listening now might say, Oh, I wish I had an experience like that. And to say, that's okay. You've had your own experiences. And the word I like to use uh, a, a Jesuit friend of mine used to use, and you talked about this earlier, they're sometimes not encouraged to think about their experiences in those, in the, in that light. Isn't that a great word? Like right. we just have to encourage them to say like, where has God already been for you? And, and let's talk about that. I did a, I shared this story. I, um, I led a retreat a few years ago and I, it was a bilingual community and the pastor got five ladies who were bilingual to come to the English speaker while 45 people were in the basement with my colleague who spoke Spanish. <laughs> and so he like drugged them, you know, and, um, one, one of the women, um, she was Anglo and, mm. um, and she was older and I never would have thought she was in her eighties, but I guess she was. And, um, I asked them to share where they had encountered Jesus and the ladies all like wrote down stuff and she didn't write anything down. And so then the women went around one by one and were sharing where they had encountered Jesus in their lives. And so she didn't write anything down. So I went to skip her and she goes, Whoa, whoa, whoa I have something to share. And I was like, Oh, okay. And she said, it wasn't until she heard their stories that she actually realized where Jesus had been in her life. And then she proceeded to start crying and sharing with us how wow. the church had been there when she was 40. Um, she lost both of her parents within a few months and then her husband, and she had four children, I think, Gosh. and that the church sustained her and kept her. And that was where Jesus was. And da, da, da. And it was just, and I, that's taught me about, we don't give space to people to be able to say, oh my gosh, that I didn't have this huge encounter, but I had a community that wrapped me. That is such a great, I wish I had that story in the book too. That's such a great story. So in other words, what you're saying is like the, the seeing the kind of the, the, the types of ways that the other women were saying yes. helped her to see like, oh, my way is valid too. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yes. Because otherwise they think it has to be some mystical experience. Yeah. That's right. a great, that's a great story. And yeah, you Catholics are usually not encouraged to think about that stuff. Right. I'll tell you a funny story. A, a friend of mine, I won't say who was on a retreat. She was sort of dragged to a retreat a one day retreat. And she, I wouldn't say kicking and screaming, but she, you know, she wasn't too happy about it. And she did one of these labyrinths, right. That are very oh, popular yeah. in retreat houses. Yeah. yeah. And she said, when I got to the middle of the labyrinth, uh, well, he was all by herself. I felt this great sense of peace and calm. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, what do you think that was? And I said, well, you know, so it's, you know, again, encouraging people who might think, well, that's just a coincidence or I'm crazy or to say, no, this is how else would God speak to you? And that that's just as valid as your friend in the park bench in Colorado, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I have a, um, a pastor from here, Father David Dowdle. He passed away um, a couple of years ago at this point. And um, he used to say for people of faith, there is no such thing as coincidence that yes. God works um, through and in anyone and everything in our lives to reach for us. And totally. I think as you hear people's story, especially as a spiritual director, you're like, ah, oh, that's where God. Oh yeah. And it's so clear. In fact, I reached out when I was writing this book to Bill Barry and I said, what do you think about coincidence? Cause he's a psychologist and he was a 90 year old spiritual director. He said, absolutely. Can I tell you a funny coincidence story yeah. that happened in the book? So uh, one of the things I talk about is how poetry can sometimes, you know, poetry and art can lead us to prayer. And there was a poem. This is a true story. There was a poem that I was given by a woman named Joyce. It was written by a woman named Joyce Rupp, who's a spiritual writer. And I, I was trying to remember it. Oh, I love her stuff. And I, it was so helpful for me on retreat. So I'm sitting at my computer in my office at America, and I'm trying to remember the poem. Like I'm just sitting there. Trying, this is a true story. 
trying to remember the poem. It was about five years ago on retreat and an email pops up. I'm not, I'm not making this up. No, I. And it was from my spiritual director from that retreat. And she said, by the way, I just gave out that poem that you liked. I know just to a friend of mine on retreat. And I, I was just thinking of you, how are you? It's called, you know, as you remember, it's called the beckoner. I was like, I cannot believe this. And I was, it was crazy. And, you know, so I put it in the book as a footnote as like, look, this is, look, not everything, as a friend of mine says, not every leaf that falls in front of you is a sign from God, but look, some things are pretty clearly, you know, um, God's hand. And we have to be open to that. Right. Um, but that's it. We have to be able to be open. Right. And recognize, and that's where prayer comes in too. Right. So you can Mm -hmm. recognize the voice so that you can recognize those moments. Yeah. And be able to discern, um, because I think that the, the, the next question that people are going to ask is, well, how do I tell if it's God's voice or not, or if it's just, you know, I mean, the old, the old thing, like, you know, if I, if I see a, a bird, that means I should quit my job or something, you know? And so I, in the book, I talk about ways of discerning that, you know, but, but, but I think, I think the Catholic tendency is to actually downplay that more like, Oh, that can't possibly be God, but yeah, it is more often than we think. When my mom, um, it was my mom's last week of life. Didn't know that at the time, but I went for Mm. a walk and I was really stressed because I had to decide to put her on um, hospice. Mm. And I went for this walk in the woods. I don't know what, something compelled me. I hadn't been there in like six months. And I was just like, I needed to walk off the stress, Mm. figure things out. And I came out and there was this incredible um, scene of these big, beautiful um, yellow flowers. Mm. And the stems were all dying though. And there was this message to me that life persists. I can't, it's hard to explain. I took a picture of it. Mm. I still have that photograph. The year later, I went for a walk there. Everything was dead. (laughs) None of that stuff was there. And I really, it was just the roots were, everything was dying, but there was life. And, And it was just this message. And I just... You know, I think that we can see those things if we have that relationship with God. Yeah, and if we're open to that, and that's such, thank you for sharing that, because I think one of the great things about that story is one of the things you said is, I can't even describe it, you know, yeah, well, no. <laughs> it, it's because it's it's meaningful to you. Yeah. And, you know, in the book, I say that just because an experience is hard to describe or even kind of communicate like what it means to you, I think that makes it in a sense more authentic and more personal. Um, I tell the story in the book, um, uh, it's a little, uh, I'll make it a short story. A, a good friend of mine, um, I was in the Holy Land. I, I uh, helped lead pilgrimages to the Holy Land. And a good friend of mine is Jewish. And I was at the Western Wall, also called the Wailing Wall. And I was telling a funny story about my friend and his mother, his also his Jewish mother, to some friends of mine that were there, including a, a Jewish fellow that was with us. Anyway, so, th- so this woman, uh, his mother, was very much on my mind. So I went to the Wailing Wall to pray, and I usually remember all my Jewish friends. And as I'm there, my cell phone rings, and I, obviously I shut it off because, you know, we're at the Western Wall for Pete's sakes. And after my prayer, I walked um, back home to our hotel. This is in Jerusalem. And I remembered, oh, I had that, whatever that was on my cell phone. I pick it up. It's my friend calling to say his mother has just died. The, the mother that I was just praying for. And so I, I share that with you because the feeling I had was like sort of, uh, moved, consoled, uh, almost, uh, it was playful in its way of God. It was um, sad. It was uh, surprising. It was frightening a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yet it was 
to, to your point, I, I can't even describe it, but it was the sense of like God's connection. Yeah. And to another person. And how we're all interconnected. Yeah, yeah. And, but just God, like, but I guess what I'm saying is like, it's okay not to be able to, to articulate it. Yeah. You know, it, it would be like. Sound. Yeah. When someone yeah, shares it, something and they can't find the words and yeah. they can remember, they can remember yes. sort of everything around it, right? That's a good point. And, you know, I asked a spiritual director once and he said one of the critiques, one of the criteria for like, is this God or not is, I love this, it, it leaves its mark. Like you will never forget that the image yeah. of those beautiful yellow flowers, and I'll never forget the experience of being at the Western Wall, and it's 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 memorable, you know, yeah. like like an experience that that people would have had with Jesus, like they would have never forgotten it. So I would love to keep talking with you, but it looks like our show is wrapping up. So I wish you a very blessed Lent, and uh, I look forward to spending Lent with you in this book. <laughs> Thank you, enjoy, it, and thanks for having Thank me on. Thank you, absolutely, anytime.